A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 120 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have the return of Mr. Clegg today for a really fun episode talking some hitting risers and fallers. So let's bring him in, my 80 Craig co-host, Chris Clegg. What's going on, man? Not much. I do apologize for uh, missing the last episode. I think you know, we've this is the 120th episode, I think. Only missed two. I was out of town last summer for one, and then then this one. So never fun missing, but had a lot going on recently, and probably noticed I haven't been active on Twitter. hadn't really written much last week. It's just you know had a lot going on in life. So it is good to be back, and I'm looking forward to this episode. We have a, a lot to cover. We I know we covered kind of the first half of this last Sunday or Monday as it released, but you know we did our updated prospect rankings. So we're back. We're gonna. Talk about the hitters now, so that'll be a good episode that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, for sure. And you really didn't, I don't, if I recall correctly, you didn't fully miss the last episode. If I wasn't that the episode where we went over the industry prospect mock that we did, and you still were like there for the beginning part of it yes. or something like that. Yeah, and then I recorded with all the guests we had, so you were still, technically were still there yeah. for a little bit. You made an appearance, so it was just like a quick exit. Like <laughs> you played like the first like two innings, and then you had to get to get out, but. <laughs> It's good to have you back, my my friend, and like I said, we're going to be having a really fun episode today, but before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter, Chris is at RotoClegg, I'm at AirCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us, and our YouTube channel for plenty of live prospect video throughout the season, and of course, check out all the other great work we have going on over at Fantrax HQ, with multiple fantasy baseball articles coming out every single day. All right, let's get right into it, though. We have some news and notes to get to here um, that are all prospect related. Obviously, some big name call-ups over the last handful of days. So we'll talk about those and then get into to our hitting prospect risers. And we have a ton of names here. So that'll, that'll be at least probably two-thirds of the show. But we have to start out with arguably the 
biggest call up of this uh, either the biggest call up of the season or one of the top call ups of the season. Adley Rushman being called up by Baltimore earlier today. Got his debut, went one for three with a walk and a strikeout with that first hit being a triple of all hit all of all things. Never thought his first hit would be a triple, but the Uber catching prospect is up. And it's funny, Chris, to have a catching prospect already be in that conversation for like number one overall dynasty prospect or dynasty catcher with guys like, you know, JT Riamuto and Will Smith and Salvi Perez that have had really good major league careers. He's already in that discussion. That just shows how special of a talent he really is. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, people may be quick to look at the AAA numbers this year, but I wouldn't hold that against him at all. I mean, he would have broken camp with the team if he didn't get injured. And, you know, I think there was some time of buildup. And we saw him get hot towards the end of the AAA stint, and which led to the call-up. And that was, you know, really not a surprise that he did. They told they said he, he was going to be called up when ready. He looked ready, and I think he's going to rock and roll. I think he's ready to contribute at a pretty high level. And I think you're right. I think we could be easily looking at one of the better hitting catchers on the market. And you look at the landscape of fantasy, and honestly, like, catcher even at the top has been you know, a pretty good wasteland this year. Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm going to look up on the Rasball player raider where – how catchers have been doing. I mean, Perez has been really bad. Right. Smith and Rio Muto have been like, okay. Varsho's the top ranked catcher right now on the player Raider, followed by Wilson Contreras and Tyler Stevenson. For what it's worth, like Jonah Himes sixth, Travis <laughs> Diarno's fifth. So, you know, the, the threshold to be a high end fantasy catcher right now is not very high. So I think he could step in and provide that instantly. So if he happens to be available, like, and I doubt he is, but if he's available somehow, you, you got to pick him up because I think he's going to be the guy moving forward. He's the type of catcher that can stick by on the plate regularly. Like he's going to be like the Sal Perez type where he's going to play enough to just accrue all these plate appearances. And I think you can expect good results from him even in a rookie season like this. His plate discipline skills are just so good. So, you know, I'm expecting good things. As am I. And yeah, he, he's probably not available, but when I, I put him in my waiver wire article a few days ago, he was like 46% rostered at that point in time. And I, I usually look at uh, Yahoo for that just because the ADP on fan tracks obviously has a lot of dynasty leagues. So like Yahoo, obviously a lot, a lot more redraft focused. I'm sure a lot of our listeners still play on Yahoo as well. It's a fine platform, nothing against it. He's he's up to 68% rostered now. So obviously that's going up 7 8% every day. I'm sure it'll be like mid-70s tomorrow. So just just check. Just to go back and check is if you don't check, assuming he's rostered, then find out that he wasn't and miss out on him. That I'm sure I'd be pretty mad about that. So, yeah, I expect him to not maybe not excel right away, but he's going to be at least solid right away. This is a guy that the contact, power, the approach, it's all there. Like you look at last year uh, in the minor leagues, 123 games between double A and triple A, slash 285, 397, 502. 25 doubles, 23 home runs, 79 walks to 90 strikeouts in 542 plate appearances. And this year in his 19 games in the minor leagues between three different levels on that rehab assignment, had more walks than strikeouts, 11 walks to 7Ks, and overall hit 309, 427, 515. So, again, everything is there. Plus, he's a good defender as well. That always helps. He'll keep him in the lineup even if his bat takes a little bit of time to adjust. I don't really don't think it will. I said – all the skills are there for him to be the number one fantasy catcher 
in short order. Maybe it's not this year. That'd be a lot to ask any catching prospect, even the best catching prospect we've probably seen since Joe Maurer. And I don't know. He's, he was better than Matt. Wie- there was a lot of hype out around Matt Wieters, but I think Rushman is, was a lot better than Matt Wieters was. Obviously, not obviously in hindsight, Wieters didn't have a good major league career, but even the prospect hype I'm saying. So you can't expect them to be, you know, number one catcher right away, but I think he could be a top five catcher rest of the way. Like you just listed like, would it, would it surprise you if he's better than Travis Day or rest of the year? I mean, no. I'm not saying I'd bet money on it, but I think it's a fair level to get up to for him. So, yeah, definitely love Adley Grishman long term. And you got to expect Grayson Rodriguez is probably up soon, too. Like they were saying that they'd probably be up around the same time. They've been battery mates. So you got to wonder if G Rod's up within the next couple of weeks or so. so he might be a good stash right now. Yeah, I think so. I think it's definitely a good time to consider that and just getting, getting in on him because I think that when he gets called up, the price is going to be so high. So I think you have to get him now. Like if you can put a bid in on him and get him before he's called up, I don't think you're going to be sitting on him long. So I'd certainly take the shot to get him much cheaper because he's more than ready to. Yeah, absolutely he is. And just remember like how much George Kirby, if you put, you know play in weekly leagues with Fab and whatnot, just remember how much George Kirby went, and he's used that as like a, a benchmark for how much G-Rod will go for, because he'll probably go for even more than that, because he's in arguably the number one pitching project in baseball right now. So, yeah, definitely worthwhile to add. Especially if you have the bench space, you can afford to wait on him for a couple of weeks. I definitely would do so. I think he's going to be a impact arm from day one. He's that good. A couple of call-ups out in St. Louis, though. One has already been sent back down. But they called up Nolan Gorman and La- Matthew Libertor on the same day, which was just kind of a cool story just in general because these guys have been lifelong best friends. They came up, you know, playing high school and travel ball together. Now, obviously, Libertor coming over from Tampa Bay last year via trade. They get caught up on the same day, best friends. That's kind of fun. Libertor got sent back down after his first start where he went four and two-thirds innings. He got seven hits, four earned runs, including a home run, two walks, and three strikeouts. And Nolan Gorman through his first two games, two for five with a double, a walk, and a strikeout. But this after 15 home runs in AAA with a 308, 367, 677 slash. Although 34% K rate, 62% contact rate, those are both concerning. What are your expectations for Nolan Gorman this season, Chris? It's probably going to be a lot of ups and downs. I think you're going to have the power outburst. But you're also going to have some times where he just goes through slumps. I, I hope he's here to stay. I, I really do. I think that he's he's more than ready. I mean, he made it to AAA and played most of the year in AAA last season. So I, I feel like that he should be here to stay no matter how he performs. He's going to have to iron out some things. He's going to have to work through some some hard times. And you see you know, games like today, you had three hits, three for six to or six plate appearances a day, a walk, and three hits is pretty solid. Scored three times. Those are things you like to see. So I think he's going to be fine. You're going to have a lot of power, but you're also going to have some strikeout concerns, and that's just to be expected in this kind of profile. I'm not sure what kind of average you get, but if he hit you know, 250 the rest of the season with good power, I'd be happy, honestly, because you're going to get plenty of home runs. You're going to get plenty of running RBI opportunities for this team as well, I think. So I think he's a solid asset. He's going to have to monitor the strikeouts. Right now, he's only struck out once in 12 plate appearances, which is an encouragement. But we'll just have to monitor this going forward. But overall, I think that he could be in for a solid year. Yeah, sorry. I just realized I read the stats that before today with six plate appearances. So, yeah, only one 
strikeout through 12 is pretty encouraging so far. However, like I said, 34% K rate this year is 20, 27.5% or so for his minor league career. He's always been a guy that screamed like 10 of 250, 260 for me long term. This year, I, I wouldn't expect anything more than that. I'd say 260 is probably the highest I expect out of him, probably closer to 240. But that power from second base, like this is a 30 homer bat. He showed it in the minor leagues. He had 72 career home, home runs in the minors in 341 games. So that's, you know, a little bit better than one every five, uh, one home run every five games. So yeah, so it's right about a 30 to 35 homer pace right there. I expect him to be the, that type of bat long term, but I'm not expecting more than 250 or so. 250 and 30 still very good with, you know, you can put it with 80 to 90 RBI, 70 to 80 runs scored in that lineup over a full season. So maybe even throws in a handful of steals. Like he had three this year, seven last year, 13 total in his minor league career. So maybe he gives you a, a few steals just to sprinkle those on top. But I think he could be long-term, yeah, maybe a back-end top 10 second baseman. But I'm not sure this is ever a guy that's like top five or anything like that, especially with all the, the new star power we have at this position. But back-end top 10, I definitely think that is absolutely possible. Sticking in the National League Central, and something that actually broke Hector Gomez about half an hour or so before we started recording this episode, the Pittsburgh Pirates are recalling Ramsey Contreras, and it's about time. How long were they going to keep the Bryce Wilson experiment going? Ramsey should have been up much you know, much sooner than this with that rotation that they have there in Pittsburgh. But I guess better late than never. Contreras was doing you know pretty well. In AAA this year, he had five starts, 20 and a third innings, 266 ERA, and a 118 whip, 24 Ks. Did have 11 walks, so the walk rate was a bit high, but that's not something that was ever really an issue in his minor league career. He never had a high walk rate, really at any level. And for his minor league career, only had 98 walks in 327 innings, which equates out to he's a 7.3% walk rate. So and this is a guy that misses plenty of bats as well for his minor league. Lately, he got the key right up. He was kind of lower earlier on in his career, but the strikeout rate and like really the swing and miss stuff in general has really ticked up over the last, really started last year when he got that key rate up, 82 innings, excuse me, 82 Ks and 58 innings last year, and that has stuck this year. So that's what really made his prospect value really shoot up as he got into the Pittsburgh system to the guy that's a top 100 guy now. So, I'm expecting solid contributions from him right away. I just tweeted out that I think he's a good add in 12-team mixed leagues. Someone asked me, hey, would you rather have him or Libertor rest of the season? Even if Libertor was staying up, I still prefer Contreras to Libertor, both short-term and long-term. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I Contreras to me is going to be the best arm on the mound in Pittsburgh. He's I don't know, it's crazy that he you know, wasn't in the rotation, but here we are. And hopefully he's here to stay again. He should be. I think we've seen plenty of what he's capable of at this point. Like much like Gorman, he's really got to iron things out at the professional level. And he's had several innings pitched 10.2 career professional innings. They've been to 10.2 really good innings. So again, you're looking at the strikeout stuff that's really ticked up. The walks are a concern, but he's going to live with that high number you're just going to have to live with it. But I do think that Contreras is going to get more run than Libertor the rest of the season. I think he's going to be really solid. So that's uh, definitely a plus. 
long term, I could see it being close, but I do like Contreras' upside a little bit more. So I'm interested to see, but I really think Contreras could have a, a solid rest of season if they just let him do his thing. That's the biggest thing. Just let him pitch and do his thing, be a starter, and I think he'll be fine. So, yeah, I'm really liking the move and hoping that Contreras can just be solid rest of season for or you. I, I think he's worth an add. Yeah, sure. Like I can't imagine if he shows any type of adequacy that he can't stay up because look at that rotation. Like I said, Quintana's actually been oddly good. I don't expect that the last, but Bryce Wilson's junk. Brubaker actually has been well, the, the surface stats aren't that great, but you look at some of the underlying metrics, they're actually pretty solid for him. Mitch Keller, I think they still want to see what they have in Mitch Keller, give him a chance. And Zach Thompson is just mess. So I can absolutely see him sticking in that rotation moving forward taking over for Bryce Wilson, who was not good again today. I think what did St. Louis win by 18 to four or something like yeah, that today? Really. It was so, it was so bad of a blow. They had Yachty in their pitching, which is hilarious. I love that. They've given Yachty and Pujols a chance on the mound here and got blow up games this year. That's kind of fun, but yeah, there's no reason why Contreras shouldn't stick in that rotation moving forward. I think he could be a very good number three starter, a, a guy that's, you know, maybe a top 50 or so fantasy arm long-term. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy you draft as like your SP1 or 2, but maybe SP3 or 4. I think he can get into that range for sure. And he's probably going to be always underrated because he's a Pittsburgh Pirate, and those guys are always underrated no matter how good they are. Even Brian Reynolds, yeah, hasn't had the best year, but he was always underrated coming into this year. So those Pittsburgh guys are just always underrated. So you can probably get Contreras for pretty cheap in Dynasty League right now. I think I'd be willing to go take a shot on that. A couple more bits of news and notes here. We have two intriguing arms beginning their rehab assignments. One already has in Shane Boz. The other one will be soon in Steven Strasburg. Both look like they'll be back around the same time, first second week of June or so. For redraft leagues here, Chris, are you willing to – I guess who, who are you higher on? I know we're both to be higher on Shane Boz long-term, but – do you see any value in Strasburg and maybe stashing him right now and for the rest of the season? Maybe in like a 15-team league, but, you know, pitchers with the injuries that he's had rarely come back. And, I mean, he's just been riddled with injuries for so long. It's crazy to, to think, like, you look back to that, you know, 09 draft where he was, you know, supposed to be the next big thing and how quickly that kind of fell off. So, I don't know. I'm – my expectations aren't high for Strasburg at all. I'm just concerned that he gets injured again. But I'm sure the Nats are going to ride him and get what they can at him based on you know his contract being so large, and they're kind of just sitting on that. So, you know, I don't know. I'm curious to see how, if he gets back on the mound and how he performs, but I think Boz is really the easy choice here. Yeah, absolutely. Boz, I'm expecting big things from both this year and – Next year, I think they're, you know, someone asked me if they're going to let him start. I mean, absolutely. They're, they're ramping him up to start right now. He'll slide back in that rotation. And maybe, yeah, he, maybe he won't go six or seven. He'd probably be more averaging around five innings per start if I had to venture a guess. But these are going to be elite numbers. I, I fully believe in the breakout we saw from him uh, last year in the upper minors where the walk rate came down, the K rate got even higher and the ratios were very good. I expect him like he's a guy that could be a fantasy ace long term. And that's how I'm treating for Dynasty. Obviously I won't rank him there yet for various reasons, but this is a guy that if you can go get him right now in Dynasty for even a slight discount because of the injury and whatnot, 
go out and get him. Boz is, I'm all in on Shane Boz and G-Rod. I think they're both going to be fantasy aces long-term. This year, I think Boz could be, I mean, he was drafted as like a top 40 or so starter. I think he can definitely get to that range, even at five innings or so, which isn't terrible anymore. If you can get, what, 20 or so starts in around five, so around 100, 105 innings, I think that's very plausible with elite K numbers and solid ratios. I think he definitely could be top 40 or better here moving forward. And Strasburg, I don't know. I've always kind of liked Strasburg because he's shown that when he's on, he's very, very good. Like, let's look back at 2019, 332 ERA. He actually led the league in innings pitch, which was very surprising at 209. And he had 251 strikeouts that year with a 1.04 whip. Then he's pitched 26 and two thirds innings over seven starts since then. So obviously, said uh, a lot more issues staying on the mound recently. But before that, he had a couple other years, 175, 215, 183. If you can get 70 innings out of him this year, I think they could be solid enough innings. So I agree 15 teamers for sure. Maybe some deeper 12s. If you're desperate for like an impact arm, I can see making the move. But that's about it. But yeah, definitely for this year, I'd rather have Shane Boz for sure. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into all of those hitting risers uh, for prospects. There's a ton of fun names, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. Love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into our hitting prospect risers here. Let's start with the infielders, then we'll get to outfielders a little bit later on in the show. First couple of names are both shortstops, Royce Lewis and Jordan Lawler. Let's start with Mr. Royce Lewis, who got the call up to Minnesota a week or two ago and performed very well, but got sent back down when Correa got recalled, which I think was the wrong move. But anyway, looking at just his performance this year in the minor leagues, Slashing 307, 400, 562 across 160 plate appearances, 15 doubles, six home runs, and nine steals. Only been caught one time. 11.9% walk rate, 18.8% K rate. Really making a lot of good, tangible improvements. Now, the walk rate going up, the K rate coming down, he's hitting for more power than he did in the past. So, I have bumped him way back up my prospect rankings. To the point where I think he's definitely in the conversation for top 20 again overall. He wasn't quite top 20 in my last update, but I've since moved him up even further. And actually, I do have him 19th right now, right behind Tristan Cassis. And I can see him moving up even a few more spots because if he's back to being what we thought he could be when he was drafted number one overall a handful of years back, you know, at 18 to 20 homer guy with 20 plus steals and a solid average, like 280 type of average. I think that's definitely top 20 prospect and a guy that he could be a top 10 fantasy shortstop within the next few years. So yeah, he's definitely moving way back up my rankings. Yeah. And I think he probably is top 10 prospect status again, because he was there at one point and you know, oh, so injuries, you're, you're going top 10. Yeah. I, I think, 
I think he's there, especially with uh, the graduation of J-Rod and Witt. He, I mean, yeah, he had a down 2019 season, but then he came back and had the, the really good AFL where he's the MVP. Obviously, no 2020 season, missed 2021 with injury. So I get why he dropped so far, but I think with what he's done this year, he he's more than proved that he is worthy of a, a top 10 spot. So I've got him back in the top 10 right now as far as prospects. And, and I think it's just a matter of time, honestly, before Jose Miranda goes down. Yeah, He's just struggling. So Royce could get the spot back, and he did a lot of promising things in a short period of time. And while you know it's hard to – he had just had 34 batted ball events, so it's hard to really quote StatCast data. But you know, his max EV of 114 put him 96 percentile, which was – you know, pretty encouraging to see, especially you know someone with his pedigree hit the ball that hard. Also, good sprint speed recorded. So we're looking at a true power speed threat here, who I think is back up in, in short order. I really do. The contact skills are definitely there. The strikeouts were are down, you know, towards a career low, which is great to see. So yeah, I'm I'm really all in on Royce Lewis. If you can get him at a reasonable price still in a trade, I, I think even a buy high is reasonable right now. Yeah, he's definitely one I would buy high on and one that I have not dropped him. Any of the redraft leagues I had him in, I'm holding on because I, I do think he's back up soon. And like I mentioned on Twitter, he can play. Yeah, he's been primarily a shortstop. I think that's where they want him to be long term, especially if Carlos Correa is going there for this year. But he can play third, second, some outfield. You, you won't see it a ton of reps there on like baseball reference where, where it tracks games played at different positions. But it hasn't really been in game action, like he, but he got plenty out in the Arizona Fall League in 2019, plenty on you know, backfields and spring training and all this and that. It doesn't Those numbers don't really show up on baseball reference. So he can play the positions, and he's athletic enough, and he looked fine second and third in the outfield. I think he can play adequately there and then move back over to shortstop next year. So definitely should be back up soon, maybe within the next couple of weeks especially if he keeps you know, tearing the cover off the ball in AAA like he has been. So I'm not quite ready to go top 10, but he's not far off for me either. So, And I definitely think he could be top 10 for me soon, depending on how the back end of this top 10 shakes out. This is a really talented top 10. But, but you'll have Torkelson graduating soon as well, probably within the next week or so. I think he's up to like 105 at batch or something like that. So could see Royce Lewis bump up into that top 10 for me pretty soon as well, or at least get close. Jordan Lawler is another guy that's already close to my top 10 as well. You know, out of all the, the big three prep shortstops, they've all shown pretty well, or big four, I should say. Uh, they've all hit pretty well, but I think the best one so far in terms of this, the all-round package has been Jordan Lawler. Like, Mayer's hitting for a high average, but not really too much to say in the power speed department. Watson is showing power speed, but also striking out over 40% of the times. And Jordan Lawler has not had a big K rate issue so far. Through his first 148 plate appearances in low A as a 19-year-old, that's a 25% K rate, which, you know, not great, but it's not terrible either. Not like Khalil Watson levels. And he's also slashing 352, 459, 590 with 13 extra base hits, seven home runs, and 18 steals. Running been caught three times. Again, it's single A. But this is a guy, he could be a plus power, plus speed guy. And a guy that maybe hits for 270 or higher average, I think the hit tool could be pretty solid as well. He's walking 13.5% of the time, which is very encouraging as well. So, yeah, it's been a very impressive first you know, 150 or so plate appearances for Jordan Lawler. And I think he's a guy that another guy that could be top 10 overall very soon. 
Yeah, and I've got him pretty close. I think he was at 13 in my recent update. He's done everything you want to see him do. The only minor hole you can poke in his profile is that he's putting the ball on the ground at a 52% rate. But even still, you look at the kind of power he's hitting for, the kind of average he's hitting for it, he's still making it work. So, yeah, Lawler's been impressive. And, you know, he was one that I was a little concerned about, and I was I was wrong about that. Um, coming out of the draft, there was some some data about the swing and miss that had me concerned. And while he has struck out 25% of the time right now, you know, I'm not really concerned about that. You look at the the whole body of work, and it's just been pretty excellent. And the amount of extra base hits he's had has been you know really good so far. And so I'm I'm on board. Like I said, Jordan Lawler's by far my highest from that draft class at this point last from last year's draft class. So you know they're all performing well, but he's just really stood out above the bunch. So you know, I, I think he's worthy of of pushing you know top fifteen, top ten. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, all the offensive skills are there. So I think once you see a few more of these guys graduate, like right now, it's a very second. So this would be a slightly different than my update because obviously I'm still, I'm always making updates, but he's actually number 12 right now for me. And for the for reference, I have Watson at 22, Mayer 23, and House at 31. So yeah, he's definitely vaulted himself up from kind of in that pack to a, you know, a solid tier above it right now for me. So love Jordan Lawler. I've always been high on him. So very, very excited to see him after this start to his professional career. Another shortstop here for be a, further, a little bit further on the rankings, but when this really set up this year, Mason Wynn, we were going to talk about, we had both Mason Wynn and Nolan Gorman on this list, but we already talked about Gorman because of the call up. So we'll just talk about Mason Wynn here through his first 142 play appearances this season. So watching 344, 404, 560. This is as a 20 year old in high A. Power hasn't quite been there, but this is a 10 double, seven triples, only the one home run, but also 15 steals has not been caught yet. 9.2% walk rate, 19.7% K rate. So he's risen up to, I think it was around 125 or so in my rankings. He's, I think he was around 200 before the season. And if that power comes along as well, and I think he has projection for more power, maybe not a ton, but he could be like a 15 homer guy, I think. If he adds some bulk, starts driving the ball in the air more consistently. That's definitely possible. So if that power comes along, Chris, I think you could be maybe a guy that pushes top 50 by the end of the season. What are your th- thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I had him 65 in the latest updates. So. Oh, you had him 65? Yeah, yeah he went from wow. 142 to 65 on, on the latest update. So it's over live on tracks. So yeah, I think that he's done everything you want to see. I think the power, the, pr- power, the projectable power at least is a reason to go that high, at least for me. I think he's kind of putting some hit tool concerns behind him. We're seeing some major improvements this year with the strikeout rate being cut and the walk rate, you know, rising up, which is great to see. You know, he did, he's at a similar number of plate appearances that he had in high A last year, as opposed to this year. And he's cut that K rate from 26% to 19.7%. The walk rates jumped from 3.9 to 9.2%. The batting average is there. Yeah, he's running a high BABIP. But you look at the kind of speed profile and the contact that he's making, it's not surprising. You know, he's hitting for good line drives. He's not hitting too many ground balls. It's another area that he's cut to. So I do think the home run power is coming. So I think it's one of these things where you get on board now before his stock really takes off because we've seen the speed and we've seen that he is really efficient on the base paths. So I think that this could be a case where he has a power breakout. You know, m- Maybe it's later this year. Maybe it's next year, but he's just 20 years old. So mm-hmm. 
there's plenty of time for him to uh, really come around and and add that power. That's normally the last thing that comes when you're hitting for average, when you have the speed, and when you have the projectable frame. I'll bank on the power coming around you know, sooner yep. at some point. So that's why I went as high as I did on him. So I don't have your rankings in front of me. So do you like him more than two other names we have on this list that are shortstops that are breaking up this year as well? Ezekiel Tovar and Adele Amador. How do you how do you kind of value those three moving forward? I have uh, Tovar at fifty five, uh, and then Win at sixty five, and Amador was eighty eight. So obviously Tovar, I think, is proving himself to be. Tovar's doing it in Double A. And he's only a couple months older. He's six months older than than Mason Wynn. Tovar is adding the power. And, you know, honestly, like I thought Tovar was more of a slap hitter. Like when we saw him in the AFL, yeah. he was just a, a straight slap hitter. The thing that I kind of go back to is the fact that, you know, his high max EV last year, he had won 110 in the AFL. And then in spring training, he had one over 110 as well. So, like, those were – like those were in the back of my head that the power could come, and we're really kind of seeing it now, which is an encouragement to me. You're hitting for average, he is striking out a little more than we saw last year, but I'll take a 20% strikeout rate if it comes with power. That's uh, not a concern for me at all. He's still hitting 317 on the season right now. We've seen the walk rate tick up as well with Tovar. So Tovar, I think, could push like top 25 status, like by the end of the season. Yeah. That's what we're seeing with the age to level here. You know, Adil Amador is another one where, you know, I kind of bought in last year, then I faded him a little bit. I was like, maybe I went too high on him. You know, we only saw him playing complex ball last year, and he's just kind of repeated what he's done in low A. He is hitting the ball on the ground a little bit too much, but he's not striking out. He's walking in a high clip in low A. I do think it's probably time for a promotion for him. I mean, he just turned 19, but let's see what he can do in high A. If he can keep doing this, then I'm on board. I'm interested to see you know, how the steals turn out because he has stolen six bases, but he's been caught three times. So not super efficient, especially in the, the low A landscape. You know, people are stealing bases like out the wazoo. So I don't know. I'll be curious to see what that what happens there. But yeah, I, I do think Amadora's top one hundred guy. And I think there's room to move up. I just want him to see I want to see what he can do at a higher level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, put him, put him at Double A. I, I, I only say that jokingly because Double uh, A Hartford's coming to Portland in, in a few weeks. So at least I'll be able to see Ezekiel Tovar uh, in a couple weeks. And I have Tovar up to fifty six right now uh, in my rankings. Adele Amador was a little lower than that. Where was he? Uh, I have Amador eighty, and then Mason Wynn a uh, one sixteen. So he's a little higher than I thought, and I probably should bump him into my top one hundred now. I, the reason why I had Tovar. A good bit ahead is I think he's showing similar to win, but he's already showing the power that win has not shown yet. And I do agree hundred percent that win definitely could add the power. So he's still very young, barely over 20 years old. So definitely if, if win starts hitting for more power, he's going to move up even further up my rankings. I just don't want to be sucked into kind of similar things where I was with other guys that are showing hit and speed and the power just never gets there. And I'm not saying that's the case for him, but I just want to see it a little bit before bumping him too high, but I don't think 65 is egregious at all. I think he's the skills he's shown. He's definitely got that. Like I said, he could be top 50 by end of the season or even pretty soon here. If he starts hitting for more power, that's the final piece of the puzzle. Uh, so definitely moving up. And I think out of these three long-term, 
I think Amador is not showing me Amador. Uh, Tovar is going to be the best. That's why I have him ranked the highest, obviously. But I think the power gains he's shown this year, and then he's going to have course field to call home. And again, people just look at Colorado prospects, and there's that stigma around them, obviously. But there's not really a you know set shortstop of the future there in Colorado. So. I do think he can be up, and he, he could play second base too if need be, move over. I think he's played a little bit there as well. So definitely really like Tovar, and I'll get some live looks here. They come here to Portland second week of June, so I'll get some live looks here. So hopefully hopefully he does some hit in that, in that series. So I definitely love both these, all three of these guys moving forward. All three, Tovar, Win, Amador, great dynasty targets right now, but not as great as this next guy who – I just put into my top 25 Gunnar Henderson, who is 20 years old in double A like Tovar and absolutely just excelling this year, 289, 445, 535 slash line in 155 plate appearances, seven home runs, 12 steals, only been caught once and a 21.3% walk rate to only a 17.4% K rate. He's showing the good contact skills. The approach is phenomenal. Power's coming along as well. Speed is there. So he's definitely top 25 for me right now in a rising high. Where do you have him, Chris? And what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he was uh, 39th coming in the latest update on tracks. Certainly can move up from there. I mean, we're looking at a player who I think it was a year early on where you know, I got really excited about him last year. He was good last year, but now I think we're seeing him in the midst of a, a true breakout here. It's encouraging. I mean, he did get a, a little bit of time in double A last year, but just five games. So now we're seeing him, you know, dominate double A. Twenty years old. I know he's he'll be turning uh twenty one in late June. But still, I think that we're truly looking at a breakout here. I mean, he's got he can play third, he can play short, he's got power, he's got the hit tool as well. I mean, we've we've seen him cut the K rate, which is definitely a big encouragement. Cause last year that was my biggest concern with him. You know, he struck out 30% of the time at both low and high, which was you know, a major issue. But down to 17.4% right now, the walk rate, 21.3%. It's just kind of silly. But, you know, get a little swing a little more, man. He's been passive. We can see that even the numbers even tick up more. But you know, I am encouraged by the power that we've seen. The speed as well has been the stolen bases is encouraging. So, yeah, I do think he's legit. And I think he's only rising at this point. Yeah, definitely agree, and hopefully I'll be able to see him this season as well in double this double A Eastern League, which even makes his performance, in my opinion, more impressive because this league, the double A Eastern League, a it's a cold weather league. Like obviously, there's been a lot of chilly games so far uh, this year in the Northeast in April and May, and it's more of a pitcher friendly league. It's not like a hitter happy league, so. Both those things kind of make his performance even that much more impressive, what he's doing right now. So, yeah, I am 100% buying into Gunnar Henderson. We have a bunch more prospect names, but we have to get to the outfield as well. So let's list off the other names we have on our list here. Cesar Preto from Baltimore, Jacob Amaya from the Dodgers, Edwin Arroyo from the Mariners, Brian Ramos from the White Sox, Shailene Galeers from Oakland, Alex Banellas from my Boston Red Sox, and Colt Keith from the Detroit Tigers. Let's just you know p- pick a couple of names here and talk about them. One I want to talk about real quick is Shay Langoliers. He's a guy that he's always been known for his exceptional defensive skills. Like he could be a multiple Gold Glove winner. But since going over from Atlanta to Oakland this offseason, 
he's really excelled offensively. 11 home runs and 161 plate appearances, 271, 366, 550 slash line, 11.8% walk rate, and cut the carry at the 20.5%. Uh, also has six doubles, and this is all in AAA. Maybe you can give a little bit of that to the, the inflated AAA numbers that always seem to happen, but he's made some tangible improvements this year to the point where I think he could be a – borderline back end like top 12 type of you know fantasy catcher is that defense to keep him into in the game you know give him a longer leash than most and i think he's gonna have the power maybe he's still only a 250 to 260 hitter but that could come with 20 to 25 home runs so that right there 250 and 20 that's back end top 10 catcher material right there so and he's gonna be up pretty soon he's in triple a right now so i imagine he's up at some point this season but they have sean murphy there obviously so Maybe he can get some DH in or, or something like that. But he's a guy that's really impressed me here. Who, who's the name out of this list here that you want to talk about here, Chris? Yeah, I was going to mention like Langoliers. You know, you can we can talk about the league, but his batted ball data definitely backs it up. Yeah, you know, I've tracked all the AAA stat cast and, and the low A FSL stat cast as well. And Langoliers is just you know, tearing it up from that standpoint. You look at, you know, really any player with a reasonable amount of batted ball events, and he's at the top of average exit velo, you know, only trailing like a Pedro Leon, a Monty Harrison, those type of hitters. And you know his average EV right now, 90.7 miles an hour. He has a max of, of 114, which is awesome for a catcher. Like, that's stellar. I mentioned Royce Lewis at 114. Like, I'd say that's pretty impressive. Hard hit rate at 45%. You know, the barrel rate at – is he's nine percent, which isn't great, but still solid overall. Good average launch angle. I think Langoliers is legit. I'll talk to Alex Benellis because I've seen him a good bit this year. I mean, he's obviously here in Greenville and he's been you know absolutely stellar. And you know, cool story as well, where you know he was really fell off in his senior or his junior year at Louisville before being drafted. He was like a, a top ten guy, and then he really fell off. He's definitely turned it around since he's come over to Boston. You know, the borderline numbers aren't great. He's hitting 259, which is, you know, whatever, but he's getting on base at a high clip. He's shown really good play discipline. I'd really ignore the strikeout numbers. I mean, 26 or 27.6% doesn't look great, but really it's just because he's been more selective this year and he's got deeper in accounts, which has kind of hurt him in some ways. But I, I've seen tremendous strides in Alex Pinellas' plate discipline. The power is no doubt there. I mean, nine home runs only tells part of the story where he has great power to the opposite field. And also, the poolside power is ridiculous. So, in Greenville, there's the video board. They have the green monster in left, but also the video board's in uh, right center. And Vanellis landed a home run on top of the scoreboard at one of the games. I was at, like, on top of the board. So, the power's ridiculous. Like, the raw power's easily plus or better. And he's showing good game power, too which has been, I think, encouraging. He even showed the game power last year you know, in low A with Milwaukee. So I'm totally buying into Benellis and think that he's put himself back in the conversation of being like a top 100 guy again. Everything in the profile is really good, and he looks really good. And a good dude as well. Like, you know, a lot of people around Greenville really, really like him. You know, he's always, he goes on podcasts. Like, we should try to get him on the show because he's, I know he's done podcasts before. I actually had a buddy tell me he got a custom Greenville Drive Alex Benellis jersey and Benellis' parents were at the game last night, and they happened to see that. And they came over, and they gave him some signed Alex Benellis rookie cards, which I thought was pretty cool. 
Nice. So, yeah. Cool. Seems like a good family. Alex seems like a good dude, and I'm glad to see him performing well. So I'm I'm totally buying into Alex Benellis. I've always, I always love stories like that, and I kind of have one of my own where I'm, I'm rooting. I'm an Alex Fiedo guy. I, I don't really have high expectations for him, to be honest with you, but he's, he was my first interview, and I met his family in the parking lot before that game. He went. To, he was starting in was when he was with Double A Eatery, and they were playing in Manchester, New Hampshire. I made the two-hour drive for to, for that start. And just parking my car, you know, hour before the game or so, and happens happened to park right next to I think it was like his aunt, uncle, and some cousins or something like that. And they were just super nice people. We were chatting on the way into the ballpark. They're talking about you know some of this time at Florida, and then they called it Fiedo Fridays down there. I was, I was I always love those type of stories. Yeah, we definitely should get him on the podcast for sure. That'd be fun. Another couple I just wanted to like mention real quick that really stood up to me. Jacob Amai is one in Double A right now. He's a little bit older, twenty three. But 336, 436, 698 slash line, 21 extra base hits, nine home runs, and two steals with more walks than strikeouts. So he has definitely been very impressive so far this year. And then Edwin Arroyo, too. So if you got Edwin Arroyo late in your FYPD last year, bravo, because he is just showing up right now. 306, 384, 556 slash as an 18 year old in low A, 164 plate appearances. Six doubles, three triples, eight home runs, eight steals, only been caught once. 9.8% walk rate, 19.5% K rate. So he's definitely a guy that I think he's going to be top 100 very soon. And Benellis, I have at 170 right now, but definitely moving up. He's definitely a guy that I, I do agree could be top 100 soon as well. And Amaya, probably more like a top 150-ish guy. Where do I have him, actually? Well, 245, so I'm probably a little bit lower than I should be on Amaya. He'll probably move up a good amount in my next update as well, so few other infield names there that are definitely great targets. Every one of these guys is a great target, but those names have really been standing out to me. Moving over to the outfield here, the two biggest names on our list are Pete Crow Armstrong and Michael Harris. Now, Chris, I think you mentioned you know, in a tweet that you had you thought Harris could be top 10 pretty soon. And you look at the stats, and the stats warranted as well. Uh, so far in 173 plate appearances in double A, 308, 364, 526, 15 doubles, two triples, five home runs, and 10 steals. Been caught three times, 7.5% walk rate, 20.8% K rate. So, do you still think he could be top 10 pretty soon? Yeah, I think we're close to seeing the power outbreak. We've seen, I've seen him hit for enough power, like some of his home runs show enough power to think that he can get to at least being a, a 15 to 20 home run type guy, which is kind of my expectation. And there may even be more in the profile than that, but you look and he's a really efficient runner on the base pass and the hit tool was shown to be really good as well. So I think you're looking at a pretty well-rounded player that, you know, could evolve into like a Corbin Carroll light type player. If the hit tool does stick, which is pretty high praise, but I'm just overall impressed with the profile and, you know, it's one last year where I even liked, but wanted to see more power. And we've seen that this year. We've seen the power really come around. He hasn't really sacrificed any contact skills for that either. He's hitting actually for a higher average in double A than he did last year in high A. And, you know, we're seeing his slug is up about, you know, 100 points, which is encouraging. And the ISO is up pretty significantly as well. So good, good telltale sign of that. He, he has 15 doubles, which, yeah, I think speaks to a lot. And, you know, I'm curious, you know, I'm going to look that up actually where that ranks among minor leaguers, but the extra base hits are, are pretty telling here, I think. So, 
you know, Michael Harris, I do think we see the home run power come. And when it does, I think he's really going to fly up. Yes, he has the, uh, of all minor leaguers, he has the third most doubles behind Ezekiel Duran and Luis Miasis, who I saw, who I actually liked as well, who I think is really fun on the radar with the with the White Sox organization. But yeah, Michael Harris, with the amount of extra base hits he has, has to be towards the top. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm buying in this profile and think that he could really take off. Yeah, I'm not quite as high. I don't think I don't think he has top ten. I'll say top twenty though, and I have him actually not too far from that. Right now, I have him. He was 31 in my last update. He since moved up to 29, though that probably is just because I took off Wit and J Rod. But he's right, right, right around top 30 for me. I could see him getting up in top 20. So I don't know if there's enough power there to get top 10. I think he's more of a you know 15 ish homer guy, which is still solid, and that's definitely valuable for fantasy purposes. But if I could, if I thought he could get 20 to 25, I think he'd be top 10 for me. But again, not that far off. And then Pete Crow Armstrong is a guy that I've really been impressed with. I guess, is that the new strategy in terms of dynasty leagues? Just acquire all the prospects that the Mets trade away because <laughs> they all see, I and mean, everybody can shut up right now about Jared Kelnick. I'm not talking about that right now, but in Kelnick actually got better as a prospect. So that still kind of fits, but Pete Crow Armstrong, another former Mets prospect that is excelling right now, a 20 year old in low A in the Cubs system, 376, 468, 571 slash, 195 ISO, 13 extra base hits, five home runs, and 10 steals with a very solid approach as well. 12.8% walk rate, 17.9% K rate, where I think there's a lot of similarities in the profile between PCA and Michael Harris. I think they're both really good hit, really good speed, and the power, you know, it's there. I think there's a little bit more power production with PCA, I, at least in my opinion. Obviously, he's down in low A, less accomplished, so he's lower in my rankings, but this is a guy that he's top 50 right now for me. And I really think he could be top 20 by the end of the season. Cause he's already showing a bit of power. Like I said, ISO is near 200, five home runs in 156 play appearances. So if he continues to show some power gains while maintaining that really good approach, really good hit tool he has and the good speed. Yeah, this is definitely a guy that has top 20 written all over him. I agree. And he's one that flew up for me. I think he was 34th, if I'm, yeah, 34 in this update. Always really liked him. Coming out of high school, I loved him. I think that he would have already been here if he had not got hurt last year. Got just you know, six games before that shoulder uh, knocked him out for the year. But he's been absolutely killing it right now. I think he's another one that needs a jump, though. I think he needs to move to high A, see what he's got. I mean, He's 20 right now in low A ball. Obviously, we know last season was a lost season for him, but I do want to see him with the next challenge. But man, he has just shown to be a stud, you know, all across the board. Like he's the definition of a five tool player. He's so good in the field. His arm is great. He's got great speed. The field to hit, and some scouts were low on his hit tool, but he's been pretty stellar as well at, at the plate and the power. Like you said, I think it's coming around, and there's definitely room for more. So, yeah, PCA could be another one that's, that flies up, too. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, next name on our list is the biggest name on our list in terms of how big this guy is. That's James Wood from the San Diego Padres. So, he actually hasn't played in a little bit. He's dealing with a wrist injury. He's been on the IL for, I think, the last two weeks or so. Before he did go on the IL, he was showing a lot of good things at the plate. 
65 plate appearances in low A, 300, 462, 560, four doubles, three home runs, four seals. Then, you know, the three home runs and the four seals, not surprising. We, we knew he's got elite power and moves pretty well for a guy his size. So I knew he, this would be a guy that could add, you know, double-digit steals as well. So the power speed, not really surprising. But what is? So he's hitting 300 with more walks than strikeouts, too. 14 walks, 11 Ks. That's really the biggest thing that stood out to me with James Wood so far is that people were wondering, you know, where's the hit tool at? Where's the swing and miss going to be at? And obviously when you're this big, there's always going to be some added swing and misses because you have a bigger strike zone. You know, you, we've seen guys like Richie Sexton and so on and so forth. Like that bigger strike zone, pitchers will exploit. I'm sure the key rate will go up as he moves up the levels, but you know, short sip, small sample size, sure, but very impressive with that walk to key rate so far. Plus, that power speed is there as we all thought. So he's definitely a guy that moved up a ton for me. You know, just in that small sample size, he is right now 94. So definitely top 100 guy for me. Is he top 100 for you, Chris? Let me see. Yeah, I'm uh, 79th actually. So oh, you even higher than I do. Yeah, the OBP skills are ridiculous, which helps him. Oh, he walks right, yeah. such a high clip and you know, everything else you mentioned. So. That gave him a little boost for me. Yeah, so definitely more value in that OBP format as well. But yeah, keeping that key rate down is going to be really big for him. I keep using the word big because he is a very big man. <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely one of the more exciting prospects in the, in the low minors. So hopefully this wrist injury doesn't really hinder him too long. He can get back into game action here because there's definitely a very promising start to his career. Uh, a few other names here. We have plenty of other names on the list here. The next the next two, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Minnesota, and Denzel Clark of the Oakland Athletics. Emmanuel Rodriguez so far at 146 play appearances. He's 19 years old in low A. Uh, the average has actually dropped a bit. Uh, he's only hitting 235, so he's been slumping a bit lately, but still has a 459 OBP thanks to a 26.7% uh, walk rate. Excuse me. Five home runs, 10 steals in those 146 plate appearances. What are your thoughts so far on Emmanuel Rodriguez? Here's another one where the batted ball data is just really good. And he's obviously in the, the Florida State League. But right now, from an average EV standpoint, he only trails Anthony Garcia, which we know Garcia just rakes. Like that dude pounds baseballs. And yeah, his Garcia's average EV is 94.2, which is silly. Rodriguez comes in at 91.7, which is uh, really, really good still. Solid max, good barrel rate, hard hit rate above 50%. You just hit, really, the biggest thing for him is the launch angle, hitting too many fly balls, I think, but that's probably cost him some average. But, you know, when you see this kind of breakout, I guess, per se, and seeing him, you know, hit, hit for home run power, which is kind of tailed off some, still overall, the profile, I think, you know, looks really good for the future. So, you know, I like Rodriguez a lot. You know, I'm not sure how high I'm willing to go on him. I went 147 last time, and he probably holds around there until we see a little more. Yeah, I'm trying. To, I'm pulling him up right now. I have him. I was below. I have him at 212. Obviously, you you have him higher for OBP because of that massive walk rate. So, yeah, I think he's a, a top 200 ish guy for me. I could see him pushing 150 if he gets that average up. Uh, but definitely has the ability to do so with that batted ball data that you mentioned. And then Denzel Clark, kind of like Edwin Arroyo, one of those guys that looking to be a great, you know, late round FYPD selection. Another guy that had the power and the speed, but people wondered where's the hit tool at long term. 
And then so far this year, he's hitting 310, 412, 558 in 153 plate appearances with 12 doubles, six home runs, and 11 steals. Only been caught twice with a 12.4% walk rate, but still has some red flags in this profile, though it's great that he's hitting 310. Walk rate, very encouraging as well, but still has a 28.8% strikeout rate, and he's 22 in low A. So both of those kind of combined. Still, he's still got some things to work on, but... Definitely one that has moved up my rankings. I put him top 200. Where exactly was that? 167 overall, right in the same range as Nelson Velazquez and Christian Robinson. So just to give you a couple guys around him. And Arroyo was only five spots ahead of him at 162. So definitely a guy that I like that power speed blend. And if he shows that he can keep the K rate in check and continue to show you know this offensive blend as he moves up, I think he should get up, move up to high A pretty soon here. If he continues to show well in high A, he'll probably be a guy that could push top 100 for me. But what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, no, he's been uh, very solid so far. Pleasant surprise. And I, we, I think we talked about him a little bit last year, but how he performed at the complex level. And then we even talked about him you know, being a potential breakout this year. So it's cool to see that kind of come to fruition some. So, yeah, it's been, been really good to see out of him. And I think that you know, he keeps proving improving himself. So... Hard to argue with against what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. Next few names on our list here. Esturi Ruiz, who I think we talked about maybe a few weeks ago, but he has been on an absolute tear this season, kind of coming back from the dead because he was a prospect that was, you know, fairly high ranked earlier on in his tenure with the Padres, then kind of fell off as he, you know, offensively he wasn't quite there. But this year he's up to 353, 497, 590 in 38 games in double a san antonio 14 doubles five home runs and a whopping 29 steals like this guy is elite 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 on the base pass only been caught four times 187 career steals in just 445 games which is ridiculous and the fact that he's getting you know a little showing a little bit of power more than he ever has 590 slug and a 237 iso are both easily career highs for him you know, t- taking out his little small stint in rookie ball, you know, way back when. And in fact, he's still stealing a ton of bases, hitting for average. The OBP is almost 500, 29 walks to 32 Ks, keeping the K rate down. Do you, how much of this are you a believer in, Chris? And you think, where do you think he's at power wise? Because we've seen guys like, you know, I think he has more power than Xavier Edwards, but you need to have at least some sort of power impact here so do you think he's a 10 homer guy 15 homer where do you have him in the power range yeah i think 10 to 12 is probably pretty reasonable and maybe he goes above that but you know if he goes 10 to 12 home runs and obviously he can flat out steal we've we've known that in the past but to get 29 so far this year is just pretty crazy i'd be curious to see like what is like actual stolen base percentage is like so he's i'm trying to figure out how many times he's been on base let me just do the math Real quick, he's he's attempted thirty. <laughs> yeah, he's attempted thirty three steals. He's had twenty eight singles and twenty nine walks. So fifty seven. So yeah. over over half the time. Right. That he's yeah. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> that, that's that's insane. Yeah, that he's at least attempted. And he could have attempted to steal third on some of those. Don't have that data, but that's okay. I mean, just kind of nuts to me how wild he's running. I think it could be legit. I really do. We know the speed's there. I think there's some tangible improvement that we've seen with the contact skills and the strikeout rate dipping down. Like that's 
kind of big to see. And, you know, we even saw that trend downward last year too, which was good. So now hitting for the average and I'm kind of buying, but I don't want to fully buy, but I do think that he is somewhat legit. Would you rather have him or two of the guys we just mentioned, Denzel Clark and Emmanuel Rodriguez? How do you value those three? I still think I probably go Rodriguez, the highest of them. Trust him a little bit more. And then it's probably Clark and Ruiz after that. But okay, they're, they're all, all pretty close. Yeah, yeah, they're all pretty close. That's for sure. Another name who has you know been on fire this year, especially in the power department. That's Moises Go- Moises Gomez, excuse me, of the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, this is a time where a prospect gets traded to St. Louis and does better. Usually, they trade him away and they do better. But after coming over from Tampa Bay this year, thirty-three games in Double A Springfield has seventeen home runs. And a 333, 397, 802 slash. And for you, all you taking track at home, that is a, was that 469 ISO, which is absolutely ridiculous. But again, that's what happens when you have 17 home runs in 33 games. That's eight doubles as well, though he is striking out a little bit too much. But what are, you, what are your thoughts on this breakout from Gomez, Chris? Like, he's always shown pretty solid raw power, not to this degree obviously but you know he had like a 503 slug and a 223 iso 19 home runs back in low a in 2018 as a 19 year old for tampa bay but what do you make of gomez is he a guy that you're buying into or is he more of a sell high for you he's leading the minors in home runs right now so pretty wild run there and obviously i think the bang average is a little inflated from the amount of home runs he's had i'm not like not buying but also i am a little hesitant this is kind of the path that like Juan Pez took last year with the Cardinals as well. So I don't know. He has lowered the ground ball rate. He's hitting more line drives, which does make the batting average a little more feasible. I mean, a 468 ISO is ridiculous. His BABIP is high, but I'm not ruling it out considering the amount of line drives he's hitting. So that's obviously a factor here as well. Healthy fly ball rate, really stinking good line drive rate and a low ground ball rate. So that's a good recipe for success. He is striking out 30-plus percent of the time, so that's something to be weary of. I think that could get exploited you know, at a higher level at AAA or even the majors probably. Maybe not Maybe not exploited at AAA. I think I would argue that AA pitching is probably as good, but yeah. it, he could get exploited. I don't know. I'm curious to kind of see you know, what he does moving forward, but yeah, I think if you can trade him and get something like really good, then then I'm all about that. Yeah, well, I think the power breakout is mostly for real. Not maybe not to this extent, but I would lean more on the sell high side than hold right now for Dynasty Leagues. Getting a little long here, so let's go quickly with these next few names. We have, what, five? Yeah, five more names on the list. Alexander Ramirez of the New York Mets. Now, he's been much better than the Angels version of Alexander Ramirez. Then we got Sedan, Sedan Rafaela from Boston. Jeremy De La Rosa from the Nationals, Jackson Churio from the Milwaukee Brewers, and Alexander Canario from the Cubs here. Chris, who do you want to talk about here? Pick one well, and go with it. No, I just want to say, with I, we, I've talked a lot about Rafaela, but I've heard all the pronunciations. You were right. I've heard a ton of pronunciations on it. It's not Sedane. It's not Sedane. It is Sedan. So Sedan Rafaela. He's he's legit. I think people kind of question the breakout, but he just keeps hitting. So you know, I'm not I'm not even doubting anymore. I think he's uh, really legit. Another one, Jeremy De La Rosa, I was like a year or two early on. Like, I me, really liked him. Me too, him. yeah. And then he was like, God, this guy's terrible. 
So I, he was just awful last year in low A, but I'm, I'm a little bit weary because he's still in low A right now at 20, but he's been really good. I, I think he probably gets the bump soon. You know, we're seeing him cut the strikeout rate, walk more, hit for more power, still stealing bases. We knew he had the speed, so that doesn't really surprise me much. But he also has a frame where I think the power could come, and we're seeing it come. So the ground ball rate's a little scary, but overall, like I do think De La Rosa's one to buy into because the hype could get pretty wild eventually. You know, another one the hype is wild on is like Jackson Churio, where he's just, you know, he's flying up and he obviously dominated out the gate, still been really good. So he's one that's going to fly up list. And I think you got to buy in on him now. Only one home run so far, but hitting for good average, good OBP. I think that he's one that could really be top 100 pretty soon. So I'd probably buy in on him now before the price really takes off. While I agree with all that, am I the only one that has like a little bit of reservation just because of how, like we were saying the exact same things about Hedbert Perez last year. And then look at how, what happened to Garrett Mitchell. This Milwaukee's player development in general on the, obviously on the pitching side of things has been phenomenal lately, but on the hitting side, like, I was looking earlier, like none of their current starting nine were homegrown. They, they're all, but they, you know, traded well. They made some good trades, like Willie Adames. You know, they got Christian Yelich from Miami. They traded well and they signed some free agents, but none of these guys are homegrown. Kesson Huria, another guy that has not worked out at all. So does their hitting development over the last couple of years, or last like, you know, three or four years, really at this point, does that kind of scare you off a little bit, Chris? It does for it's me a- at least. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I don't the hype on Hedbert was crazy. Like it was well above what we're seeing now. So I don't know. I, I there is some hesitancy, and maybe it's a case where his value soars and then you sell him. But you're right. I, who is the last hitter that they developed through the system that was really good? I I can't remember. Brian Braun? <laughs> is, that, is that the last one? Like that's crazy. What, when did Braun come up? Oh my word! When did Braun come up? Two thousand nine or so. Let me pull right up before that. Let's see. Braun debuted in 07. Yeah, and he came. Oh my! I I almost forgot like how good he was. Look at this is Braun's rookie year. All right, two thousand seven, hundred and thirteen games, four hundred ninety two plate appearances, three twenty four, three seventy six thirty four. Led the NL in slugging, thirty four home runs, ninety seven RBI, ninety one runs scored, and fifteen steals. That's crazy. Then that started, you know, his whole stretch of dominance. I mean, I had him on a few dynasty league teams back then. I loved Ryan Braun. Obviously, his second half of his career was uh, tainted with a lot of things, and the production went down. But uh, he's out of the league now. He played. He played in twenty twenty. I forgot he played in twenty twenty. But <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, he had a really good. He had three hundred fifty two career home runs and two hundred and sixteen career steals, two ninety six average. I mean, he he won't get into the hall after the whole steroid issue, but. He was a guy that was on track to maybe be a Hall of Famer with those numbers. But anyway, yeah, this is the last name I can think. This this has to have been a name since then. I just can't think off the top of my head. But just the last like handful of years, like Hiria not doing well, Mitchell going down, Hedbert going down. That's nothing against Churio. Like everything Chris said is, is absolutely accurate. And he's definitely a very talented player. Like power, speed, contact. Looks like it's all there early on with production for more power. But yeah, I'm just a little hesitant. He's he's definitely moved up my rankings, though. Let's see, where do I have Churio? He is at 210 for me. 
and definitely could move up even further if he keeps hitting well. He's off to a very good, very good start in low A, that's for sure. But another one I wanted to talk about real quick is Alexander Ramirez, though. He's a guy that definitely has moved up a fair amount in my rankings. He's hitting for average this year. He's hitting for power as well. Uh, you look at the numbers here, and in... Where is it? 157 play appearances in low A, 347, 382, 531. Only has the three home runs, but 10 doubles, four triples, has an ISO of 184, which is pretty solid, adding three steals. The thing with him is very aggressive, though. At the same time, he showed he has pretty solid contact skills. He kept the K rate only at 20.4%. But he's only walking 3.8% of the time. So I want to see him before I give him like a huge jump. He could be top 100 with his skill set, but I want to see the walk rate tick up. So a little more passiveness at the play, a little more patience, I should say. Maybe wait for that pitch to drive. Maybe that could help his power numbers as well. Uh, so definitely the ingredients are there for him to be top 100, but a little more patience, a little unlock that power a little bit more. I think he could definitely be a top 100 guy pretty soon. Anybody else you want to hit on, Chris? Or I think that's uh, a that's, good spot, good yeah, spot good to wrap stuff. up. Yeah. So a lot of fun names on this list here. Now, if you, if you missed our pitching prospects, go back. That was episode 118. Talked about a lot of those pitching prospects on the rise. A lot of this is like the really fun time of year in terms of prospect rankings where you get the big breakouts that happen every year, the big jumpers up ranking. So really fun time in terms of being a, a prospect ranker, that's for sure. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon as, as well. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. <laughs> <laughs>